Hello and welcome to the Keto Man's Club podcast. We're glad you're here, where each week we talk about men's health and lifestyle. We do so with the foundation of the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. If you don't know what keto is, stick around and you'll find out. Podcast will bring you real honest fun. Each week we strive to uncover the tips and tricks that you can use in your everyday life to maximize your overall health. Find the clearest path to becoming the best version of yourself that you were meant to be. Welcome to this week's episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. I practiced that line, Berto, 43 times before I said it because Chris can't be with us tonight and I wanted to do it justice for what he gives us. Was it okay? It was good because I practiced it 58 times and I was still studying. So. <laughs> do you want to give it your one shot right now just so we can do it and be, be in a good place and call it even? <laughs> All right, here we go. Let me see. Come on. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. Very we should nice. Just go, we should just go with number one. <laughs> either way, either way, kind of depends now how much we give Chris in money or you know keto bricks or something like that to see who actually will be doing the intro of the show when it comes out. So uh, my name's Jim, and of course Berto's joining us as we just heard. Uh, Chris is on assignment tonight; couldn't join us, but um, he does make things all or make he does make us all sound good. Um, when it all shakes out and everything. So his touch will be felt in this episode here when you uh, are listening to it on the uh, iTunes or the Spotify or whatever the case may be, wherever you're listening to uh, the Keto Man's Club podcast. So Alberto, how's your week been, sir? It's going good. It was an interesting day here in Austin because uh, the Air Force Thunderbirds were doing their, their laps around town for the frontline yep. workers. And uh, I, I was I was trying to make it home before they flew pretty much straight over the top of my house. But uh, I didn't. I didn't quite make it home. But I did. I was able to catch them at a stoplight, and I wasn't prepared for how low they were going to be flying. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, I should have just kept my eyes on the road more than anything else. But <laughs> all's well that ends well. But I was like, kind of like, man, those things I look for. I'm like, oh yeah, these stripes in the road. They're here for a reason. <laughs> you didn't like run into somebody as you were looking up and above, kind of thing or anything, did you? Oh no, no, no. Luckily, okay. did not because that would just be incredibly ironic and 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 silly at the same time. But it was actually a really cool sight to see. And uh, luckily, you know, I didn't run into anything or anyone or a ditch or anything. But oh. it was a. Uh, very unusual just to see those things ripping that close to the ground that fast. And it was, I mean, you had about four seconds to admire it before they were completely out of sight. So it was, uh, it was cool. Indianapolis is about 50 miles north of where I live. And they did a uh, similar event up there in the last week. And they had a map of how they were going to go over Indianapolis. And we have um, I-465. It's an interstate, but it's, <clears throat> excuse me, a loop that circles um, Indianapolis proper. And they showed it at like two o'clock on the 465 dial at say 11.22 a.m. And then at 11.24 a.m., it was at like seven o'clock on the dial. So in two minutes time, they were crossing miles and miles and like, okay, those guys are not messing around. This is a uh, legit flyby for sure. Yeah. And they were uh, up and out quick, but it was, it was still a just something you don't see every day, so I, I really appreciate it. I'm like, this is nice. I can't yeah. do this. If, yeah, it was, if it was meant to put a smile on my face, mission accomplished on their part. <laughs> did your were your kids able to uh, witness it at all? Yeah, yeah. But I, like, I had gotten home probably two minutes after I saw them, and they were all out in the yard. So they were. I mean, believe it. There was a, like the whole neighborhood was outside. So that was actually really cool to see everyone that you know you normally see out there at the same time just staring at the sky. So it was it was almost like a. Because like, we can see the fireworks from where I live too, so you know, Fourth of July, all my neighbors are pretty much outside in their front yard, 
So it was a, it was similar to that, and it was kind of a kind of a cool feeling. <laughs> it uh, probably was a very nice thing with all the COVID issues that the world is experiencing right now, just to like be outside and see people and whatnot. Yeah, a nice a nice human interaction, if you will. So that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we've got a, a guest this week, a special uh, discussion here because for the first time, I, I, I wish. No offense to our guest and his papa, but I had kind of hoped that the first father-son situation would be you and your little man, nah. you know, Burton. but, you know, he's probably a little too young to get on the microphone just yet. It would be a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we introduce our guest and uh, start that part of the discussion today, we always do our shout-outs of the week. So, uh, Berto, I'll let you uh, go first there, sir. Yeah, yeah, this one's uh, no stranger to anyone, and I was kind of contemplating who I was going to choose, and as I was making dinner, I was making the m- most delicious pizza crust I ever made, so I, I, I've got to <laughs> hand it over to, to the culinary lion, uh, Frank Campanella. Um, man, if, if you're keto and, and you like to cook, culinarylion.com, that guy has got it pretty well figured out. He's all over Instagram, Facebook. He's in the man's club, and uh, he has yet to have a recipe to let me down, and I, I've cooked a handful of them. So what, what was the uh, recipe that you made? It was his pork rind pizza crust recipe. So okay. un- unlike fathead dough, it's, it, it is almost zero carb. Uh, it's a lot more manageable, a lot easier, tastes a lot better, and it actually fluffs up quite a bit. So you actually get a really bready texture out of it. Ooh, okay. Have to give it a shot and see. Okay. Uh, my shout out this week is to JJ Nichols, who um, I didn't get to last week in our shout outs, but in last week's Tuesday or Transformation Tuesday post, uh, this gentleman was, he didn't even actually have his exact weight. He was between 470 and 500. So bigger guy for sure. And he is now at 340 pounds. Still a bigger guy, but he has dropped 130, 150, somewhere in that vicinity. Major difference in body composition and everything, and just looks amazing. So uh, congratulations to him for uh, the success. We um, we do these Transformation Tuesday posts each week, although I admit that I failed to get it scheduled for this week. Um, so I, I give my caveat as soon as I say it. But it seems like last week we had about 30 or 40 different posts of all different guys, all different places in the world, um, and all different spots on uh, their transformation journey. So it's really, really remarkable to see how much difference people have made um, in different time spans. So good stuff. Indeed. So let's uh, let's get into our guest of the week. Now, are you taking the honors of introducing? Should I? Should we just let this gentleman fend for himself amongst the wolves? How would you like to do it, sir? I would say let's let's do something a little different, and let's just let him roll. Let him introduce himself, uh, his affiliation to the group, and uh, and I don't know if, if we get caught up, we'll just step in and keep rocking. There you go. Well, Andrew Eason, are you there, sir? Uh, I am here. Welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm glad to be here. It's uh, kind of awesome. I've listened to just about every single podcast y'all have done, so it's, oh, it's kind of cool. Oh, there you go. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's stop now. It's only go down from here. <laughs> I, had to, I had to start off with y'all getting butted up. So, Well, but the thing that you didn't answer was, who is your favorite host? Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> I won't make you do that. I promise, Jim. Uh <laughs> No, no, no. I'm teasing, man. So let's uh, let's start off with a couple basic questions here before we start diving into things. Tell us a little bit about you, where you live, family life, what you do for a living, just kind of the uh, 101 about Andrew. 
All right. Yeah. So um, I'm in Maryland, just like my dad. Um, I am a uh, martial arts instructor. I've been uh, doing a style called Kuksul One uh, since 2007. Um, it's more of a uh, system of martial arts rather than a style. Uh, you have Taekwondo, which is kind of just kicking. You have Judo, which is kind of throwing, and Aikido, which is joint locking. Those are all kind of styles. Whereas uh, what we do is, uh, combination isn't the right word, but uh, we do it all. We, we, do, we do all of that stuff. And um, I've been teaching since 2009, or at least helping out. Uh, since 2009. So I guess that's been about 11 to 12 years now um, that I've that I've really been doing it. And I've been doing Kuk Soul since 2007. So 13 years of actually practicing uh, the martial art that I'm currently studying. But uh, I also did martial arts when I was way younger. Um, when I was five years old, I was doing Taekwondo with my dad up until about 11 when we moved to Maryland. I wrestled in high school. So uh, I've kind of been an athlete all my life. And then on the keto side of things, um, I've been on and off keto since August of 2018, but uh, in January of 2019, I kind of had a almost fell down the stairs because my ankles hurt so bad and uh, kind of decided that was my point in time where I needed to do keto to kind of help with that joint inflammation because I did notice when I was uh, on keto before that all of that stuff had cleared up. So it's a joint pain. Uh, was clearly it uh, was it specific like your ankles worse than anything or was it like all over? But that day was just a um, bad ankle day. Uh, that day, uh, pretty much any time I wake up, I'm, I'm kind of sore. Uh, but that particular day, uh, I, I took one step to go down the stairs and uh, almost went head first down the stairs because uh, it, it was just happened to be a really particular bad day. Now, was you say it was a side effect from from your training? Or was it just this um, kind of how you were just, you know, pushing your way through day-to-day life? Uh, it was definitely uh, a pushing my way through day-to-day life. Um, I've been an athlete all my life and beat my body up. And uh, between running track uh, and doing wrestling when I was in high school, and then I was an avid runner, you know, a lot of that stuff just kind of caught up to me with the constant pounding on the body that I was doing. So, I mean, it was just a combination of all things. Um, though I will say doing the martial arts that I was doing, it helped quite a bit. Um, but I had an injury at a tournament that aggravated my back and just so happened that keto also happened to fix that problem for me too, to where I'm really only feeling that when I first wake up in the morning and that's kind of it. How old are you, Andrew? Um, I, oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm 31 <laughs> years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's Are the you right sure? man. Yeah, you that's sure? that's when you know you're a proper busy adult. When someone asks you how old you are, you got to do math in your head real quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah, uh, I turned 32 this year. Um, yeah, I was born in 1988, so do the math. Yep, turned 32 this year, so I'm 31 right mm. now. Freaking kid, freaking. Kid. <laughs> <laughs> So um, the martial arts thing, your dad's talked about it. We've had a number of guests um, on the sh- on the podcast about it. Tell us a little bit about this Korean style that you follow and a little bit of how it came to be one of your passions. Um, well, honestly, uh, I've always kind of been into martial arts my whole life. Like I said, uh, Taekwondo when I was really young with my dad. Um, this particular style came about because uh, we trained really hard when we were younger. Uh, it was a different time back then. 
Um, and uh, we find we found this school and, uh, you know, first class, my dad calls me up and says, hey, you need to come check this spot out. I run upstairs uh, to check it out because it was up, uh, it was a, above a post office uh, where we first were. And uh, I had to crawl out of class. That's a uh, that's how good of a workout we got in. So it was kind of one of those things. I got into it right from the get go because it was exactly what uh, what I remembered doing with my dad when I was younger. So it was something that uh, definitely, definitely uh, needed to be done. And it's something my dad and I did. And like I said, we're both black belts now. Um, as far as what it is, uh, like I said earlier, it's, a, it's more of a system than it is a style. Um, so we are... Kuksul comes from the three main uh, points of training that would have been around pre-Japanese invasion. Um, you have what's called Saru Musul, which is a tribal or family martial art, uh, Bokyo Musul, which is uh, the Buddhist martial arts, and you have Kungjung Musul, which is a royal court martial art. And what Kuksul does is it, uh, it's a systematic training that builds through all of these things to help develop uh, better human beings through the practice of martial arts. Okay. So yeah, we do a little bit of everything, including history. <laughs> and weapons. So we, we, you shared the, the weapons videos and those, and those were, those were pretty impressive. And I'm how, like, how many weapons would you say you are, uh, you are, I'm going to use the word deadly with. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, at, at each level of black belt, you learn uh, a different, uh, you learn different, kinds of weapons so at first degree you'll learn the middle staff uh that's a standard staff that you'd see most people using um then you also learn the straight sword and you learn straight sword cutting so that means the sword's going up and down straight from your hand um i'm sorry up from your hand uh now uh when you become a second degree uh the form that i showed you guys was from when i was a second degree uh when i competed with that um, that's a damn boss. That's a short staff. And you learn what's called yuck gum young, which is a reverse sword form. So that means the sword's coming down from your hand across the arm as opposed to up, uh, which you normally see. And then at third degree so far, I have learned, uh, double short swords and then double short staff. So it's a little bit different. So kind of what you saw with the, the short staffs that I was doing, I do it with one in each hand. And then there's, uh, I know rope, cane and archery right now wow yeah this is this is something we had a guest on a couple of weeks back uh jack walker who's uh big into martial arts as well where i i just all i imagine are kung fu movies i hate to be that guy but i how how do these styles differ between what you do which another you know somebody else other martial arts studies is it about the hand movements is it about the kicks is it about where it originates from i mean tell the guy who has no idea how, how this all shakes out. Um, so I actually have to deal with that problem a lot, having to explain that. Um, it's it's really hard. Uh, but if, if you can kind of follow outside of the martial arts setting, it would kind of be like paleo versus keto kind of discussion. That'd kind of be the discussion that you'd be talking about, the difference between different martial arts. They're both healthier styles of eating than the, the sad diet, but uh, the, the philosophy is different. Okay. So with kung fu typically is uh and we say softer but softer is really just an american interpretation of what we see it's more circular you have kung fu which is harder um which is again is another american interpretation of what they're seeing but it's really more straight line more streamlined 
And then with what we do, um, to say that it's in the middle isn't quite right. Uh, what we do is we are soft when we have to be, we are hard when we need to be. So uh, we flow like water and when water meets a rock, we crash into it and we destroy the rock. So that's kind of what, that's, that, that's kind of the best way to explain the differences between them. But it really comes down to philosophy. A punch is a punch, a kick is a kick. But how you throw those kicks, how you throw those punches, that's where the difference is going to be. Okay. Good info. Very good that was, info. That was very good explanation. <laughs> I think he's done it before, Berto. Lots of practice. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like you've had to explain this before. So when, when you decided to go in the all-in keto uh, with your martial arts, was there? did you find an advantage there? Um, so initially, no. Um, the, the part that I struggled with, especially initially, was I was in the middle of a testing cycle. And uh, to kind of explain that, um, typically up through third degree black belt, you have a break for two years where you're really trying to make perfect everything that you already know. And then you have a two year testing cycle where every three months you're doing a three to five hour belt test where you're showcasing what you know to prove that you're ready to be promoted. And it's some at minimum two years. Uh, so it's at least eight tests at every level. And uh, what I found challenging was that I needed to hold back. And uh, that's not something I was really good at. So when I finally decided to go all in keto, I kind of waited for a period that was right in between those tests. So I finished the test, then I started the next day. So that way I kind of had the full three months to really um, get fat adapted before I started into my next test. Um, but there was a significant drop off. So it was hard initially. But once I kind of got through that, that fat adaptation period, it was like a light switch. Um, suddenly I'm, um, I'm up in front of class and I'm, I'm doing things that I, uh, and, and, and it's going to sound bad, but I'm doing things that I don't remember doing, um, except when I was, uh, in my high school days where I was doing backflips and front tucks and things like that. Um, things that I just hadn't done, you know, uh, in, in done since then. And uh, all of a sudden, I've got the energy to fly through that stuff. And um, now pretty much I work out with every single class. So I'm working out three to four hours a day with each class that I'm teaching. You track your food? Uh, I do track my food. I do track my food. Um, that was also a hard thing. Um, I'm uh, Initially, when I started, I was a chronic under eater. And uh, now with uh, all this lockdown stuff that's going on, I'm a chronic overeater. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I was doing about 2,500 calories initially, which at three to four hours of working out was not enough. Um, and then just before the lockdown, I was up to almost uh, 4,000 calories a, a day struggling to gain weight. And um, I've gotten it back down to about 3,000 now, but it's, it's still uh, it's a struggle because I'm not working out as much. So I've gained a little bit of weight since being then, but uh, weight issues were never really my thing. Yeah, that's a, that's interesting. Cause I would I would assume with the and I I've been I did martial arts for for a long time myself, and, and I, I remember that time in my life. Like I was not keto, but like I literally could not eat enough of anything to gain weight, regardless of what it was. You know, I could just go and uh and just go eat whatever I want as much as I wanted. You know, and then I, gaining weight was not an issue. Like you know, I was at, I was young enough and active enough to where I could just outwork anything I put in my system. So I would imagine that like you were like I was saying at, at four hours of training a day, especially now that you're eating clean, that probably requires a 
quite a significant amount of food. <laughs> yes, my wife told me I needed to start buying my own groceries. <laughs> <laughs> so what what do you eat th- for a day in a day? Because I mean, with all those workouts and everything, you're you're hitting it hard, man. Uh, bulletproof coffee is my best friend. Uh, I do about a stick of butter in just my coffees alone that I do throughout the day. Um, on top of about four tablespoons of coconut oil or MCT oil, depending on what I have, um, just in my coffee. Um, I normally have, yeah, quite a bit. Um, being on lockdown, that does not work. You get that fat flush. Whew. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that toilet paper shortage might have impacted you more than anybody else. <laughs> oh. oh, yes. <laughs> But uh, definitely had to cut that back a little bit. And I had to cut the coffee back a little bit because I'm not moving as much. So I, uh, it, it was messing with the sleep. So I definitely had to cut that back a little bit. But uh, I, w- I would then go to eat two eggs with some olive oil, some avocado, and that's breakfast. And then uh, for lunch, I usually had um, half a pound to a pound of uh, steak or pork loin. And then... Um, Usually I would end the day a little bit lighter. I'd have uh, two quarter pound burgers with cheese, maybe some avocado if I had some and, uh, you know, whatever else I could find to put in there that would help me hit my macros. Yeah, it becomes an interesting game after a while because you know, when you're describing your coffee, like at my current coffee routine is my, my bulletproof coffee is 490 calories. <laughs> So like, that, that's that's my coffee that I start the day with, and then I'll eat breakfast on top of that. Well, lately, just because you know the way things have been, like I, I try not to eat lunch, and so I'll just eat a giant breakfast, work through lunch, and eat a giant dinner, and uh, and and that, that seems to work it out for me. But uh, yeah, I, I'm all too familiar with the with the fatty coffees. The drinking your calories is very useful when you mm-hmm. need it. And there are times where, like, sometimes I get really busy at work and, you know, I get home late and I don't got a ton of time. So I could easily hit my protein because that's just all meats. But then sometimes I'll do pretty much like a bulletproof bone broth so I could, again, drink those calories in and then not have to worry about the actual caffeine before bed. But it's just, it's, it's almost too convenient. And it's like, I I feel like I'm cheating, but the numbers line up and I feel great. So. Yeah, I'm a sucker for hot chocolate uh, right now. Lily's uh, Lily's dark chocolate stuff. So I make my I make bulletproof hot chocolate right now for my second dose of bulletproofness. That's uh, wow. Okay, so um, when do you typically work out, Andrew? Because if you're doing these three or four hour uh, martial arts classes and whatnot, are these spread out throughout the day? Is I mean, is that your full time job? How does that work? Um, it is my full-time uh, job. I, uh, you know, when you think of a professional martial artist, you think of the guy on TV that's getting in a cage. Um, but uh, I'm a tried and true professional martial artist. I get paid for my craft, and uh, people come to see me and train with me. Um, and I, and I take it very seriously. I mean, I'm also uh, a very competitive martial artist. So I mean, I train on my own outside of that as well. So the four to hour classes is just kind of like my, uh, my extra workout. I also train in the morning, um, doing my own things, uh, that I got to work on. So, uh, but it's, uh, most of the four hour training that I get in, uh, that's usually towards the night. And then, like I said, I usually spend about an hour to myself in the morning where I'm really working on what I need to work on. And that's my workout. That's pretty serious. Have they ever spoken to a professional martial artist? (laughs) 
our show. Like, I'm like, that's, that is really, really cool. So, and you know, I mean, when, when you think ahead. about their training, they, they, they do, uh, they're, they're kind of along the same lines that, you know, they wake up in the morning and they'll go to the gym and lift weights. The only difference is I swing weapons around. Uh, then they'll do their cardio. I go through empty hand forms and then it kicks and punches and things like that. And then they got the hours of mat training where they're constantly sparring and working on different skill sets and things that they got to do their techniques and whatnot. So they, they, it's, it's along the same lines, uh, really thinking about it, but. How important is sleep to your schedule? Um, it's really important. It doesn't happen <laughs> quite as much as I would like it to, but it is, a, it is incredibly important. Um, there are times when, uh, my wife is talking to me and she's like, you look kind of tired. And I said, I'm not tired. And then I'll be asleep five minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> so with all of this working out and everything, were you ever a bigger guy at all? Um, the biggest that I got was 190 pounds. Um, and that was just before I started keto. Um, when, when you get to teaching sometimes, uh, sometimes you'll get too much into the teaching aspect as, and less of the, uh, the workout part of it. So what it ended up happening is uh, being keto or not being keto, I was starting to lose a lot of my energy and uh, it just got too easy to kind of stand there and kind of give directions. Um, so I started putting on some weight then, but yeah, weight's never really been an issue for me. How tall are you? Uh, 5'10". I think that's what it says on the driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, I'm a little worried about you. You couldn't remember your age. Now you're not remembering your height. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the height thing, normally the doctor tells me, and uh, ever since being keto, I haven't been to the doctor. So it's uh, it's been a minute since I've had my height taken. <laughs> okay. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. So are you, are you self-employed or are you, how did, I'm, I'm, this is me, I'm asking out of sheer curiosity. Like, how does that work when you get to your level and, and you know, there's, there's people seeking you out to train with you is that a self-employment thing? Do you have your own place? Or are you are you working under someone else? Um, uh, technically, I am self-employed, independent contractor kind of thing. I contract my teaching out to my master instructor, who uh, thankful for him. He's uh, he's allowed me to get where I am, um, and has taught me everything that he's taught me, and uh, occasionally says I'm a really good student. So. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I, I work for him most of the time. He's, he's really the, he's really the guy that pays, pays the bills, um, when it comes to me. Um, so I really help him with his school. I help him run his after school program and everything like that. But I also own my own franchise school. Um, but it's kind of a part-time school. So on certain days of the week, I go and teach my students. Um, and then the other days of the week, I'm helping him teach his students because he's got a much larger school. And then, uh, do you and your dad work out together? All the time. Okay. Uh, he's actually, awesome. uh, especially since I got my own um, school, he's probably been one of the most consistent students that I've had, which uh, really means a lot. And, uh, but yeah, he's he's been one of the most consistent students that I have. And um, I'm working on getting him ready for his second degree testing. So it's going to be really exciting to see him uh, start that process and then soon be a second degree black belt. And, and we, I, I don't think that I was did my proper hosting thing here. So your dad is Trey Eason, who was a guest on the show several weeks back. Um, he is the what I, I forget the proper terminology for his his role. It's not a meteorologist; it's a met, metrologist uh, or something like metrologist. that. Metrologist. 
Yep. Metrology. Okay. Ah, there. Okay. It helps to have notes too. <laughs> um, so, um, who who started? Who made the discovery of keto between the two of you, or was it somebody else? Definitely him. Definitely. Okay. He 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 definitely discovered it. And uh, to be honest, it was probably some tooth pulling on his end to get me to get started. Because, um, uh, like I said, it, I didn't really struggle with weight or anything. So he's talking about keto and saying how I need to get on it. And I'm just kind of looking at him like, yeah, I'm in shape. I'm doing my thing. I'm good. Um, and it really wasn't until he started. Uh, he really lost a lot of the weight. And it was kind of um, trying not to use expletives there. But uh, it was kind of like my jaw dropped to the ground kind of thing. It's like, dude, what's going on here? And then next thing you know, he's hitting PRs on his bike, uh, doing his rides and when I saw the athletic side of it, that's kind of when I was like, hold up, I need to check out what you're doing because the uh, from the athletic perspective, I compete, I win all the time, but what else can I do to get an even better edge? And uh, yeah, so when, when I kind of saw that, that's kind of when I finally, months, six months or seven months after he had kind of been in the process where I was kind of like, okay, I need to check this out and, and get started with it. Very nice. So did you... Did you approach it kind of like I'm just going to give this a like a six week go and kind of you know blow it off and check it off my list? Did you kind of by that point just see your dad's results? You were all that was that. Um. So when I uh, the first two times that I started, uh, well, the first time that I started, it was a bit of an experiment. Let's see what it does for me and uh, and and how it goes. And uh, we were in the middle of summer camps and it was extremely hot and I didn't have the bright salt thing. I didn't really understand it. I didn't do my research. So I fizzled out really fast. Um, and then in December, it was a lot cooler. I was like, okay, I can give this a better shot and kind of figure this out and still didn't really understand the salt thing. Um, so I got, uh, so, but at that point in time, I really was kind of all in. I think it was uh, over the, over the Christmas break, I had so much energy. I cleaned the entire house from top to bottom. Um, just while everybody was out of the house, I cleaned everything because I had that much energy. And then, uh, so I got a stomach bug thing and, uh, I didn't do any type of electrolytes at all. And, uh, I kind of had a little scare while I ended up on the floor after, uh, taking a bath, trying to feel better. And I ended up having to call my daughter to come and bring me some salt so I could put it in my body and, uh, after that, I was kind of like, man, this might not be for me because I don't understand what I'm doing. And then uh, when I when I had that uh, accident where I was almost fell down the uh, the stairs, I was kind of like, I really need to get back on keto because I wasn't feeling my body like I'm feeling it now. And then uh, February was kind of when I really decided to go head first into to keto and really, really figure it out and make sure I was doing it right. How old are your kids? Um, My oldest daughter is 11. Uh, my oldest son is nine. My youngest son is uh, three. And my daughter is uh, seven months. My youngest daughter is seven months. You got a spread, man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's got yes, an interesting, uh, interesting twist to all your, your training and stuff. And when I can understand the sleep thing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got three kids and at a full night's sleep, which, you know, it goes through phases. They'll be like, I'll go through a month and a half where everybody sleeps all night. And then we'll have like a mm-hmm. week where, where like every night somebody has their own issues. So like the parents don't get to sleep at all for like a week and a half. And 
<laughs> I can definitely uh, appreciate your dedication and having to go through all that. So again, one of the benefits of the quarantine um, is I've got to spend a lot of time with my kids. So I've gotten, gotten them into bedroom teams that uh, I remember doing with my dad when I was younger, uh, reading stories and, you know, getting to tuck them into bed at night, uh, which is something I don't get to do uh, when I'm teaching because I'll sometimes not get home till about 11 o'clock at night uh, from teaching classes. So it's, it's been a, it's been a real blessing. So it's been, it's been fantastic. Tell me about, um, your form of martial arts and flexibility. Is it something that is, it comes with the training that you provide? Is it something that needs to be done on the side? Um, cause we hear that a lot from guys as they, I'm, I'm like the tin man. I, I need the oil can every day. So I'm um, just kind of curious about flexibility and, and what you do for a living. Well, uh, the cooks on him is our grandmaster and the way he has engineered this system of martial arts that we do is genius um from the kicks that we throw to the uh stances that we do to uh, uh the to mampugi which is the stretching and body conditioning all of this stuff is all intertwined so everything is constantly working on flexibility um and opening up the body and opening up the joints and everything like that. And uh, kind of with what I was, I, I mentioned it earlier that uh, even with all these ailments, Kuk Sul kind of took the edge off of them. Um, and, uh, you know, that's through the proper training because uh, that kind of goes back to the philosophy. Taekwondo, um, they throw a lot of hard and fast kicks and they kind of snap them. And what ends up happening is you get micro fractures in your bones every time the leg or the arm goes a little bit past where it should. And Kuk Sul teaches you the fighting aspects of it, yes, but it also teaches you the control. So when I throw a punch, I'm not hyperextending my arm. When I throw a kick, I'm not hyperextending my kick. I'm actually strengthening the ligaments and I'm and I'm getting the flexibility. So what we do from the very get-go of everything that we start off with, because we always start with Mampugi, that's the body conditioning, we open up the body from the get-go. And then it just continues to build from there. Fascinating. And uh, do you still compete? Uh, I do still compete. We were actually supposed to have a tournament last month in April, and uh, unfortunately, it got canceled. Um, but that was supposed to be grand champion number eight. No, seven. That was supposed to be grand champion number seven. Interesting. And uh, like, I was in Taekwondo forever, as I said a second ago. And I, with Taekwondo, it's, I mean, it, it was interesting because it is a martial art, but it was the the competing was point sparring so it it wasn't a show of power as much it was as a show of like technique because basically the guy who was sharper and could tap you on the chest more than you could tap him on the chest got more points and therefore won regardless of how hard you could possibly kick them so like how uh, how does your martial art when it comes to competing how do they how do they approach it like do you guys you know go at it trying to go at it but just really not hurt each other or is it point sparring or how does it how does it go um so we have lots of uh, events that we compete in um just i guess for reference if you turn on espn to watch anything martial art they have different categories um they have extreme martial arts they have open martial art forms they have open weapons and then extreme weapons and things like that um we don't have that in that 
capacity. Um, what we kind of do is at each level, you learn a different form. So you perform that empty hand form. And then, like I mentioned to you earlier, you learn a weapon and each weapon has a form with it. So you perform the staff form and you perform the sword form. Then um, we have over, uh, Kuxel is actually known for its techniques. There's around 3,000 some odd techniques in the entire Kuxel curriculum. Um, I know about 500 rough math there um, uh, coming into third degree. And then you compete in that. So you're showcasing the self-defense techniques that we got. And then there's board breaking. And then we do have sparring. And uh, sparring is point sparring. But I do get that a lot where I have uh, I have had bigger guys come to me and say, well, you can't really hit me that hard. And I say, you might be right. I might not be able to hit you as hard as you think you can hit me. But you can't touch me. And every time I hit you, you're going to know I hit you. And, um, you know, it's kind of point sparring is an interesting game because what it does is it shows you uh, it shows you how skilled you actually are in your timing and things like that. Because, uh, like I said, it, it doesn't matter how hard you can hit, hit if you can't hit me. Um, yeah. But every time I hit you, you're going to feel it, whether it takes me 10 punches, which hopefully it never takes me that long to take somebody out. But if it takes me te- 10 punches, you know, you're going to feel every 10 punches that I throw. Uh, kind of thing but oh that's interesting because when i first started like competing like i didn't quite great well no one explained it to me first of all but i didn't quite grasp that contest so i was like you know going out there with every intention of like trying to knock someone out then you know i had this guy just running circles around me just kicking me punching me kicking me punching me like so the score was probably i mean it was probably completely blew me out of the water as far as points go and then i landed some really good hits and he didn't even phase me but at the time i I didn't understand point sparring and so it was a, a, catas- a catastrophic failure as far <laughs> on my part as as far as as following the rules and that was a quick lesson learned and, and then you know then like you were saying like I said you were saying like you do perfect the craft to where you can be both powerful and fast where you might not hit him with a hundred percent of your power but you're hitting consistently at eighty percent and scoring points left and right and then that that's that's where it's at it, it's um there 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 is so much that goes into actual combat the point sparring is really just an aspect of it like with what uh what 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 i told you uh on the on the facebook page was uh the 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 small staff one that i was doing is actually hitting pressure points everybody's got weak points on their body as soon as i'm able to attack your knee and i get rid of your knee there's really no more fight left there unless you can fight on a broken leg so really it only should ever take one hit and that's kind of the development of martial artists. But a lot of people, they see UFC and things like that. And all they want to do is get in a cage and bang. And I'm not about that. That's that that's too long fighting. I'm, I want to break something and continue on down the road and get home to my family and eat dinner. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What, what is the secret? Well, I don't know that there is a secret. But if somebody is new to martial arts... What what kind of commitment do you ask for them or from them, I should say? Um, because is that is it something that you can really practice on your own um, if you're brand new to it? I mean, how do you know that you, what you're doing is right, so to speak? Um, as far as commitment from a teacher to a student perspective, I ask them to at least get to their yellow belt. 
Um, and kind of from that point, you can kind of see if what we're doing will really fit with you. Um, but uh, as far as practicing on your own, yeah, this is this is something that uh, I mean, we've had to adapt. I'm teaching classes virtually now. And um, we've had to adapt our self-defense techniques, our sparring and everything like that. So this is something anybody can practice at any point in time. You don't have to have somebody in front of you to practice your self-defense. You can imagine grabbing somebody's head and walk yourself through how the self-defense works. And sometimes that's better training. Um, but as far as commitment's concerned, I think as far as martial arts, if you don't give it uh, kind of like with uh, with what uh, Alberta was asking me earlier, if I if I gave the keto a try, just six weeks, see how it goes, and then see what happens after that. It's kind of the same thing. Get to the yellow belt, three months training, see what's next. Mm-hmm. You learn the basics, and if you enjoy that, I haven't even shown you half of what I can do. So stick it out, see what I have to offer you. This is the basics, and then look at what's being produced in my class. This is what you have to look forward to. And I don't even have to do anything. They don't, it's not about me at that point in time. They see the they see the martial art. They see what my grandmaster has given to us all freely. He's given to us that we can then make ourselves better. And, and, it, and it's fantastic. Uh, the, the cook signed him, our grandmaster, he, he's a fantastic individual. And everything that he's given to us, it's just... It's just amazing. And it's one of those things as far as commitment is concerned. Try it. See what Cook Sanim gave to me that I can give to you and see how it affects your life. Once that happens, then we can go from there. Very nice. Yes, sir. So what's on, what's on the horizon for you? I mean, I, I hopefully, you know, things start to loosen up a little bit. You can get back to teaching in person. Uh, and what, what do you see in the future for yourself? Um, well, right now, uh, my plan's still the same. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a master instructor yet. Uh, as far as black belt's concerned, I'm actually still really far down on the totem pole, even, uh, with the amount of time that I've trained. Um, uh, my master instructor, he's a fifth degree black belt. He, he's been training 20 plus years. Uh, I mean, my goal is to, to attain that level of master and then keep going. Um, cause like I said, each, each level is different. Um, and one of the uh, kind of going back a little bit to to one of the questions you asked me earlier, one of the things that I really fell in love with Cook Soul, because I always liked it, but one of the reasons I fell in love with it is that at every level, I'm asked to do something, and then when I try and do it, I fall flat on my face. And nothing gets easier in this. And there's always more to learn. And that's just how this martial art is developed and how it trains the body. And then once that gets easy to me, whatever I have to learn next, once that's easy and I get promoted and then I start learning the next thing, I'm going to fall flat on my face again. And then I build myself back up and then it just constantly does not stop. There's always something else to learn. And um, I don't plan to stop learning. This is, uh, I love what I do. I love teaching. I love my students. I miss my students. I can't wait to get back in and see them. Um, and uh, I can't, can't wait to get back to full training. Um, but you know, that's kind of what's next. I, I don't plan on stopping. So this is, uh, right now I got a, another year or so before I can start testing for fourth degree. And I'm going to go ahead and jump on that train when it gets here. So one of the questions before we let you go, um, going back to keto a little bit, we always like to ask our guys what their favorite keto food is and you cannot use steak. So what's your favorite uh, keto thing? Uh, right now. I have been making these almond flour dark chocolate chip pancakes. 
and they are the most fantastic thing I've ever eaten because I'm a chocolate fiend, and uh, they they're just great. Where does where did you uh, learn how to make these things? Do you recall? Um, uh, the Keto Evangelist Kitchen. Um, and okay. I think I can mention that. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. The the Keto Evangelist Kitchen. I just looked up pancakes. Uh, my my kids eat pancakes all the time, and I just kept smelling chocolate pancakes that uh, my wife got for my son. And I'm like, look, I need to get some chocolate in my life because I can't keep smelling this. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's that's kind of how that came about. But yeah, I found it on Keto Evangelist Kitchen. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm an admin on the Keto Evangelist Kitchen, so it's uh, it, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And one thing that I I forgot to ask earlier, talking about you were talking about your joints and your ankles and and you know being able to do things that you hadn't done since high school and whatnot. But we've also had a lot of guys talk about when they get on keto, the mental clarity. Can you touch on that a little bit? If you experienced any of that going into on your keto journey, um, definitely. Uh, a lot of mental clarity, um, fix ups for me. Um, I don't sit still at all, but with, uh, with doing keto, it's actually slowed my brain down enough to where I can kind of focus on things. Um, like, uh, I'm taking uh, online classes at a college right now too, um, working on a math degree. And, uh, I was just sitting there reading, through the textbook and my wife looked at me and she says you have so much more focus than me right now and uh it's kind of like yeah I, I guess i just i'm sitting here reading i guess i'm sure more focus uh but it's, it's little things like that that i've noticed where i can i can sit and do things that i need to do whether i want to do them or not okay good deal anything that we did not ask you about sir that you want to share before we start wrapping things up i don't know i think we covered just about everything so if we asked who the bigger keto champ was between you and your dad. <laughs> uh, that's actually really easy. It's definitely my dad. Uh, okay. Definitely my dad. I, um, I don't, uh, I'm not metabolically challenged. Uh, so I get away with a lot of things that probably a lot of other people couldn't in, in the same position. Um, I, I do, I do my best to eat as clean as possible, but I am the only person in my house that eats keto or so if we get meat in the house and it's like ham and it potentially has dextrose in it, I'm going to eat it. Um, and I don't normally feel the effects. It's, uh, usually if I eat a lot of the, a lot of the negative foods, um, that's when it kind of really bothers me. But for the most part, my dad's probably the best one. Cause, uh, he's, uh, once he gets his mind set on something, it doesn't change. And he's got his mind on eating clean and never going back. And he will, he will outdo anybody in that regard. Very good. Very good. Well, um, so you, Andrew, are part of the keto man's club, correct? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. So if people want to reach out to you for information about you and martial arts and things like that, where do we direct them to? Um, uh, I think my, uh, my Facebook page is KSW of Sunderland. Um, that's, uh, the name of my school. And then, uh, if you looked up the same thing, 
uh, as far on Instagram, that's uh, my business Facebook page. I am not good with social media. So you are welcome to go and look at those things um, and, and whatnot. But chances are it hasn't been updated in weeks, maybe months. Um, so definitely if you reach out to me in the Keto Man's Club, that'd probably be the best way to get a hold of me to ask me any type of questions. Awesome. Awesome. Alberto, what about you? If people want to track you down. Best place is uh, the Man's Club or on the Instagrams at l.ketocholo. Okay. And then, of course, our own uh, Christopher. He is Duckman Keto. And then myself, Jim Inman JR. So if you're on Instagram, be sure to uh, find us over there and whatnot. And then, of course, we've got a number of ways that you can reach out as well. Um, on Instagram, speaking of, we have Keto Man's Club Podcast. Uh, stick that at sign in front, but Keto Man's Club podcast there. Um, of course, the uh, Facebook groups, not only the Keto Man's Club, but also TKMC Beginners. We had a lot of guys requesting to join the the original group, the Keto Man's Club, who are brand new to um, the way of way of eating for keto. And so we've been uh, sending a lot of private messages to them, um, encouraging them to being brand new to go to TKMC beginners and get signed up there. So if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, and you're thinking about joining and you are new to keto, look up TKMC beginners and uh, request to join there. And then of course you can always give us a call 512-518-6161. Operators are standing by to take your call and you're do- Oh wait, no, we're not doing a pledge drive. Never mind. Um, but uh, yeah, you can give us a call. You can also email us uh, keto man's club podcast at gmail.com and um, of course everything can be found at theketomansclub.com any last minute uh, words of wisdom or anything alberto before we head out uh no sir just uh, want to say thank you for for being uh, so gracious with your time i know you're you're on the east coast along with jim so it's getting late for you guys but uh but thanks thanks for uh, sharing your story and spending some time with us man thank you for having me Hopefully you and dad can have a nice conversation after this is all done and compare notes and everything like that. And we'll uh, see about linking up your dad's show with your show kind of thing in some way. And, you know, so that way people can get the father son perspective. So very nice job, though. I appreciate you coming on, Andrew. Awesome. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Well, for Chris, Alberto and myself, this is Jim, and we're going to sign off this week. As always, don't forget to eat meat, lift heavy, sleep and repeat. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us for the Keto Man's Club podcast. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can find the podcast on all podcast platforms. Would you help spread the word by sharing this episode with a friend or family member that you think might find value in it? You can also help spread the word by leaving a comment or rating on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect with us, you can do so a number of ways. First, you can visit our website for all of our social media links, show links, Facebook group, and pages. The website is theketomansclub.com. You can also connect with us on Instagram by following at Keto Man's Club Podcast. You can email us at ketomansclubpodcast at gmail.com. And lastly, you can leave us a voicemail at 512-518-6161. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to hanging out with you again next week.